hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? Fifty thousand. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. After three weeks to the Conja Book Club, a weekly Utini podcast where we intentionally experience the Star Wars Expanded Universe together, one story at a time. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with two very special gentlemen, one of who is a rival, an enemy, some may say, but he's a friend all the same. And congratulations to your team actually being somewhat decent. Adam Dyson is here, repping the Everton. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. Subjective is, um, subjectively, they're not great, but that's okay. That's okay. It's I can a- forgive them for continually disappointing me on a weekly basis. Yeah, well... But what I can't forgive, well, what I can't forgive, Timothy, is your continuation of supporting my rival team. I just can't do it. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna say that I think Star Wars. I think I think life is better. Life is better when we can forgive. (laughs) And Patrick uh, McIntosh, our other host, seems like a forgiving person. Patrick, are you a forgiving person? Uh, Not to Liverpool fans, because I support Manchester United. All right, fine. Other biggest rival. You know what? There, there, there are enough. Hatred. Let me just add another great disaster to this world. The one that we're currently living in in real life, especially Patrick and I here in the United States, the one that we're about to read about, and this podcast. This podcast is a great disaster at the moment. <laughs> Down the street me, from that mess. Yeah, uh, me, and Pat, me, and Pat, me and Patrick, we'd break off, but you do so much work on the show notes and all these, all this great work, Timothy, that me and Patrick just don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we need you. We all need right. You. All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm so glad that you all are here. However you're listening to us, whether you love European football or not, it it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. (laughs) We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you love some Star Wars. Um, We are live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So if this is your first time, we're here every Saturday at this time. Um, And our episodes hit the Utini Patreon feed every Tuesday morning around midnight. If you can't catch us live, feel free to shoot us a message. Hit us up in the chat. Um, We'd love to get your thoughts on the air. I did mention, um, I do want to say just the great disaster that we are currently living in, in the real world. Um, I, I think we'd be remiss to not just say that all of that is absolutely horrible. We don't condone any of it. Um, and we're going to use this time as an escape from it, um, to read about, um, things that are kind of crazy, galactic politics, stuff like that, get away from the real world and hopefully find, you know, some light and some life and some joy, um, we want to capitalize on that and get out of the craziness that is the world we live in. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for participating in it. Um, and be be kind to each other. Be be good people. Adam, we've got some updates on the Discord front. Would you like to tell the good people what all's going on? I can do that. So you'll notice that the 2021 releases have all got their own channels now, even the Rising Storm, which is not due for release for a little while. I'm going to do another update from the last gigantic uh, press conference, whatever you want to call it, with all the authors that being in Australia, it was way too early for me to see. Also, uh, there was a bit of a discussion today. Our awesome moderator, M, sorted it out. But just a reminder that uh, book spoiler tag usage for those channels does have a three-month window. So just to allow other members time to 
you know, read those books and read them in their own time. So please, from three months from the release date, you must use spoiler tags when talking about lore, story-specific uh, elements. Anything that you would call a spoiler, minor or major, don't be that person. Mm. You don't like those people. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and we also hit 750 members on the server. Sweet Moses. We just, <laughs> Yeah, the way that we're going, we're, we potentially could hit a thousand within a fortnight so it's just awesome to see the community grow and grow plenty of new members plenty of uh, new interactions in the channels so keep it keep it positive keep it fun and just you know be friendly to each other yeah you and know because i'm watching <laughs> <laughs> with the ban hammer the ban hammer no hammer. thor's ban hammer i, I do want to say I've been I've been pleasantly surprised with with as many people as we have right. Usually there there's there's just an immense um, immense worry right that we're just gonna get some trash and it's gonna be awful. And luckily those that that trash has been minor. Um, but I I want to say I want to give a shout out just to us as a community in general, not the staff, but like you people who listen. Um, like even there are some people that might not have liked the last Jedi the way that a lot of us are liking it. And y'all have been so nice and so cordial and been like, Hey man, it's not your thing. That's fine. Um, like there are people who have kind of voiced that. And I just want to say kudos to you all for like, just being awesome. Uh, that's what we're here for loving even, you know, the, the terrible things that might exist, find your favorite part, celebrate it, find some joy, find some connection. Kudos to you guys. So, you know, near in a thousand is absolutely bonkers. And also we got to give our mad props to Adam for that, because I mean, you, you may not have built it, but you're, but you're keeping it afloat, man. So good job. Thanks, man. And hey, I let Liverpool fans in, so this is true. Like, my bar's not that high. <laughs> oh, I've got words. I've got words. I've got words. But again, I'm trying to be a nice person. I'm trying to be a nice person. Woosa. <laughs> um, the last thing, you know, we've got some some Patreon news um, coming out soon. Um, we're taking some time as a as a company. We've kind of are. are figuring out what's coming next for us this year. Um, so there might be some shows that might be taking a little bit of a hiatus, um, kind of reworking our schedule out. So stay tuned for more updates there. Um, but the biggest thing that I want to update y'all as pertains to the Conjure Book Club is our book schedule. As you all know, but I think it's really worth reminding, February's book is going to be Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Holy cow, we're doing it. It's going to be great. Um, and because it's so great, there is one particular person in our community that is just absolutely fan-freaking-tastic and absolutely loves Thrawn. And that's only Cheryl Bell. Cheryl Bell is going to be joining us the entire month of February to talk through Heir to the Empire. Super excited for it. Jared, I know we're stepping on your legend's toes, but it'll be okay, I promise. We'll make sure to do it justice. If y'all would like to get in on this, um, if you are a patron and you're interested, you got a book you want to cover, or we're about to cover something that you have, some things you want to, to voice, let us know. We'll see if we can find a way to, uh, I don't know, get you on the show. So really, really looking forward to Cheryl being here. Guys, let's get into it. The book that we are here to talk about, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. This thing came out four days ago. I have an introduction section. I don't really know what to tell you other than it came out four days ago and I am still hype. Um, Charles Soule is the man. Y'all know him because he's written things like the Lando comic series, Obi-Wan and Anakin, The Rise of Kylo Ren, which, I mean, sold out time and time again. 
He's got some full series comic runs under his belt from Poe Dameron, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Now he's doing the Star Wars mainline run between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Like, whew, this book is fire. Um, Timeline-wise, y'all, we're looking 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Super dope. And our rating, our Utini rating, it's incredible. 9.6, the highest rated canon adult novel if I am not mistaken, Emma, I believe that's correct. Feel free to correct me if I was wrong. But the highest rated canon adult novel. Um, yo, this is so fun. I've read, I'm going to be honest with you, I've read more than the first eight chapters because I just couldn't help it. Uh, Patrick, have you read more than the first eight chapters? Uh, yeah, I think I'm already to 23, 22. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Okay. I, I just couldn't. Adam, how about you? I hit about 13 listening to the audio, so I'm going to stop myself, and I'm going to follow the book club. You are a better man. And it's hard. It's hard, but I'm going to try. <laughs> my my Goodreads goal, I, I, said, I usually set about a book a week. I think I'm going to end up reading this entire book probably five times in the next week alone, because um, that's just going to be the way that it is. Well, let's get into it. Uh, this is spoiler-heavy territory. If you haven't read the book and plan to do so soon, continue at your own risk. Shout out to Alexander, who I know is working on it really hard. <laughs> uh, let's do this. So in hyperspace, the great disaster begins. Uh, the Legacy Run, which is a modular freighter ship uh, led by Hedda Cassett, and there's a bunch of settlers on board. They're fleeing expansion. They're on the way to the outer rim when an alarm begins to blare. Hyperspace looks sick. Cassett takes the controls to try to salvage the ship, but the bridge is ripped open with the effort, and she dies. In the Hetzel system on the outer rim, Scantech third class Mervyn Getter is looking forward to when he can see Sela, a bartender on the rooted moon. His co-worker, Scantech second class Vel Karen, is reading her data pad. Probably some Jedi romances. I have questions about that. Uh, when he starts to see these anom anomalies hurtling their way, the anomalies keep coming and they could devastate planets at the speed they're coming in. They send an alert and then impact. In Aguirre City on Hetzel Prime, a place that prides itself on growth, creation, and cultivation, Minister Zephyrin, Eka, Counselor Dan, Zaffa, which is a Deveronian woman, Security Chief Bora, and Kevin Tarr, who's the Ministry of Technology attache, they discuss what's happening. Due to budget cuts, the security system isn't ready for this kind of apocalyptic threat, um, and they have no weapons because it's peacetime. Of course not. Minister Eka gives the evacuation order, but the farmers ignore it. They panic. There's too much going on. One kind man from the rooted moon in the midst of this chaos loads up his transport with 582 people, but the engines couldn't take it, and it exploded. The best these people can do is hunker, survive, and try again. And then Kevin Tarr receives a signal from Jedi Master Avar Chris. Help and hope are on the way. She's on board the Third Horizon, a beautiful Republic Emissary-class cruiser working in tandem with Admiral Krenara of the Republic. She takes control of the ship because she has the greater ability to help in this particular situation. Then using the Force to braid her hair into a mandala, she goes deep into meditation in which she floats off the floor. Guys, I need to learn how to do that. In orbit above Hetzel Prime, Bel Zedifar, a Jedi Padawan, and Loden Greatstorm, his master, are in a vector. A very minimal ship that allows the Jedi to act as one in coordinating their movements. Loden lets the ship fall into the atmosphere gracefully and allows Bell to figure out where they're heading. He reaches into the Force and connects to the billions of life forms around him. He sees it like a map of emotional zones, sensing mostly fear and panic. They find a pleasure yacht in some large compound with a throng of people trying to get in. When Bell asks why the guards aren't letting people in, Loden opens the cockpit bubble and jumps out to find out. 
Meanwhile, on the Republic Longbeam Aurora 9, Petty Officer Inman and Captain Bright are discussing the improbability of shooting the hyperspace anomaly at its current speed. Bright orders six missiles to be fired, but they all miss. There are seven people aboard the solar farm that's about to get hit, and then out of nowhere, a bright streak destroys it. Above the fruited moon, three vectors and a long beam are trying to prevent four billion people from dying. The anomaly is coming for them. We meet Teami, a Jedi, with Avar Chris in the back of her mind. Chris, we learn, has a rare power to strengthen others' force bonds, like holding everyone together. Teami asks the long beam, which is run by volunteer contractors Josh and Adrian Pika, uh, to switch weapons over to her. And then she asks her fellow Jedi, Mikkel Sidmani, who's an Athorian, and Nib Asek if they are ready. Asek's Padawan, Buriaga Agaberry, is silent. I love that person, and I'll kill for the Wookiee. They reach out into the Force to find the object, communicating through Chris's communication means. As they prepare to fire at full power, she senses that Buriaga is afraid. No judgments pass, though, and they cut off his immediate connection to calculating the shot. As they prepare to fire, she hears a squeal. Buriaga was explaining that they can't attack because the thing coming toward them is from a ship, and it is full of people, alive. In Aguar City, the Force is singing to Master Avar Chris. She can feel where the other Jedi are, can sense the good and the bad, and that more help is coming. The death count is low for now, but she still never has seen anything like this. Sensing that what Tayami now knows, she goes to the strategy board, highlights the anomalies. This just became a rescue mission. The people will not be abandoned. She closes her eyes, she steps into the air, and hears the song of the Force. Oh man! Patrick, opening thoughts. Go. They did a great, well, I should say, Charles Soule did a fantastic job of ushering us into this new era, this, I shouldn't say new timeline, but it kind of is in a way, but they just did an amazing job of setting the scene for this. Yeah. Amazing job. Highly agree. Adam, how about you, sir? I thought it was a very strong start. Um, just going to shout out to Mark Thompson as well, who's doing the audio book for this one. He is really making this story for me as well. So I do all these stories via audio, and he is wonderful. Loving it. Good, 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 good. I loved it. I couldn't put it down. when I when I read the excerpt when it first came out, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so freaking good. Um, and I have so many questions that I just want to kind of get into it. Um Adam, I know that you had some feels about this at first. Um, I know Juliana is probably right there with you. Um, did you see us losing so many named characters in this first set of chapters? Like, what is happening? We're supposed to get to know these people, and then they're just gone? Yeah, it's it's just Charles who, gave, uh, within about 50 pages, made us love a character and then took it away. You know? George Martin did it in about, you know, five books. Mm. He <laughs> held our pain, but at least... Charles Hall just rips that band-aid straight off. So it's, I thought it was just it just shows how strong his ability to write is. He just he gets you so invested within a few pages and then when he takes that character away, you're you're feeling numb for about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I <clears throat> totally, totally feel that. Uh, Patrick, what did you think? Did you have anybody you were especially attached to there at the beginning that is no longer with us? Did I like um Hedicasset? The Mm-hmm. veteran military captain and they give her such a backstory like they tell you her years of service they tell her how like her feelings and how many ships she's um been ahead of how she was ugh, i can't get my words out i'm so excited but 
how she was like in her military days and now how she, like how her whole career progressed oh no she's dead three chapters in <laughs> say lifelong military career and decorated officer what happened to her dead when in the beginning dead yeah that was tough absolutely <laughs> tough adam do you have anybody you were particularly fond of there at the beginning that's no longer with us Oh, definitely the same character that you spoke about, Patrick. You know, I served for a, about a decade, so um, like all that work that she put in to be in the position that she is in right now, and Charles writes this story where it just shows that life is so fleeting. It, it can be snuffed out in the blink of an eye on this planet alone, but in the vastness of space, it just seems so much smaller. And in a few seconds, this decorated officer, this this woman who works so hard to be where she is was just taken away, atomized instantly. It was just, yeah, crazy. I, I personally feel for, uh, for my man, Mervyn Getter, who was preparing for that <laughs> hot date, like, like look into it so hard and then nothing. And I'm just like, Oh, this absolute heartbreak, <laughs> absolute heartbreak. Patrick. Uh, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for the people that would have been at the cafe. And you know, you know, when people are on a first date, they're always awkward and everyone watches. I feel sorry for those people, Timothy. <laughs> they didn't get to see a first date. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that man, that man was ready for this. They knew each other. He was already talking about going back to the crib with her. I was like, oh, Marvin Getter's ready for this. He's been preparing. He's got like, he's got like a nice flower in a jar about to put in his mouth when yeah. he asked her. He had like, um, space, space chocolates. <laughs> Space is like no. Yeah, we um, we're just friends. You know, before we get into, I guess, some of the more specific details, just kind of speaking general plot wise. I mean, like all of these people are dying. We're going to try to save them all. Do you think we're actually going to be able to save them all? For and we're again, we're pretending that we haven't read ahead here at all, so we have no idea for the sake of this show what's actually going to happen. And where I've read so far, we still don't actually know what's going to happen. So, Patrick, do you think I don't know what's happening? Like, are is this going to work? I mean, what's going to work? What what is going on? I have no clue. What? <laughs> how if if you were if you were the Jedi in this particular situation, how would you try to save these people? If I was the Jedi, see, this is why I'm not a Jedi though. Because my answer is going to be backwards, but um, I think you just have to get as many ships in the system as you can and just evac them, just like an international airport. Bunch in and get out. Bunch in and get out. <laughs> Adam, how about you? The disaster is such a, a huge scale; it's it's hard to even plan how you would fix this. Like, cause you have to, again pretending that we've only gone so far, but then I'm only on to like chapter twelve or thirteen. So, yeah, really, I'm I don't know anyway. Um, disasters of scales how do you get how do you save everyone because that's what they want to do but eventually like for me I start thinking about the decisions that you're going to have to make and am I going to be put in the position of having two ships and only the ability to save one who do I pick mm. so it's like these are some big decisions coming that I I'm sure we've got people in this channel like Jared and Emma who have read this whole book already. But um, for me, who hasn't read all of it, I would really like to see some really hard decisions being made. 
make me feel more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sitting here going like, like this is just one particular location, right? I mean, like surely this is happening somewhere else. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I know there are other books that seem like people are, are on different planets. Um, I, I don't know what that whole process looks like because I'm not there yet. But like, I'm I'm worried. Like, like there are billions of people that are about to die just here alone. There are going to be billions more elsewhere. I am sure because you never know where hyperspace is going to dump you. And if this ship just fell out of it, like, ugh, I don't know, man. Um. What are we counting down to? I think one of one of Soul's most brilliant, you know, outside of writing this phenomenal, phenomenal characters that we care so much about and then rip them away from us, the chapter headings have like we're fifty minutes from impact. We're such and such a time away from impact. Um, I'm with Amy, who over in the uh, uh, our main Light of the Jedi chat was like like chills after chapter one, right? But then you can continue on and it's like, what are we waiting to impact? What is what is coming? What are we counting down to? Adam, do you have an idea? All I can think of is like Starlight Beacon. Is that is that what we're counting down to? Again, I could be dead wrong. Um, or is it impact onto the planet? Like, yeah, just his ability to throw a, a, a one-liner in about this so many minutes until impact just has, just, I want to know. Yeah. Tell me right now, Charles. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick? I just want to know, did anyone else get anxiety on the countdown? Oh, 100%. That's why I kept <laughs> okay. reading. That's why I kept reading. <laughs> okay, I wasn't the only one, thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Honestly, the, the thing that I kind of felt like, like there's going to be some kind of... Um, Oh, why did I just lose her name? Um, like a holdo maneuver or something coming into it. Like, like, I don't know. Avar is just going to take whatever she's in and just ram it. Try to help. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, it's like, I have no idea what this impact is, but I'm like, something's going to happen. I cannot celebrate Charles soul enough for doing everything that he's doing here. Um, let's talk about the setting, right? So hyperspace isn't reliable. Looks kind of sick. Um, we've got Bacta, which is being grown um, to replace the current medicine that I guess is hip and in, in style at the time. Um, what does this say about where we are in the timeline, Patrick? That's just going to sound like a tangent for a second, but I think it's done a great job to realistically shrink the timeline a bit. Mm. For as much as I love the Old Republic and the stories of the Old Republic, the games, the novels, everything about it, that is one of my favorite things. I think the similarities of that and the prequels and originals, like the world, technology, and everything, and the way of life between both are too similar to be that far apart. I think this did a great job of shrinking it down so where we can see progression, mm -hmm. like visible progression throughout um, for a reasonable amount of time, much just like our own civilization. Because if you think back to, you know, 250-odd years ago, like we were talking about earlier, Timothy, America's barely 250. Yeah. The United States is barely 250 years old. Like, the amount of progression that happens in such a short time here, it's it's hard to explain that, like, such a length of time and the stagnation with those 4,000 years in the Legends timeline of like the old republic mm -hmm. but at least this high republic era this 250 on to 
the time of the Phantom Menace, how stuff is like back to being introduced and hyperspace still being kind of iffy that makes that makes it um you can see the growth and the progress and the differences yeah i'm just now kind of getting into my legends journey i'm probably about 10 15 books in at this point but i can definitely feel um i i can tell that there's a lot of intention um, some intentionality into how they're trying to build this backwards out and knowing now that this is only the beginning of phase one out of you know three something phases like there's so much story when you consider the fact that yeah the star wars as we know it until this point has only covered like what 50 60 years um so now you get another 200 you know possible years that we can add in backstory but it still feels like it's very intentional um and i i love that Adam, what do you think about the setting it back this far and kind of the, the things that we're seeing? I remember when I first heard the announcement that was you know, approximately 200 years before the Skywalker saga, I was a little hesitant because I was like, oh, I want to go back a little bit further than that. Mm. However, uh, what I've read in this story so far, just as me eating my words, <laughs> I think I was coming from it from an old Republic viewpoint that I wanted to go back thousands of years, and really I don't need to. Uh, governments and organizations can fall overnight. So having a 200-year gap from <clears throat> the, pre the prequel Jedi <laughs> to... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the prequel Jedi to to really... Um, to the High Republic and the, the Knights of the Round Table and all those kind of metaphors is... It makes sense to me. So at the start I was hesitant, but now I, you know, I'm eating my words. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, one of the, I, I think one of the cool things that I, I'm appreciating about this book so far is that while we are getting to meet, yeah, I mean, dozens and dozens of characters and while the galaxy does still feel pretty small and I'm appreciating that, that this is, is kind of shrinking it a bit and making it more intentional. Um, we do get a new planet system brought into this. Um, you know, we meet, Everybody on Aguirre City, Hetzel Prime, the Hestel system at large, some space stations, some some uh, solar farms, like all of this kind of stuff. Um, I have some thoughts on this particular thing. Um, Adam, do you? I don't know. What is your initial thought on on this new system that we meet, the people that are on it? So, keeping within the first eight chapters, it's just sounds like a really nice place to live. Sounds right? like a self sufficient. Uh, planetary system that goes for the environmental factors over the industrial factors so i'm a big fan so naturally the disaster takes has to take that from us first <laughs> yeah i am i am personally and I, I know patrick you have some thoughts on this too hetzel prime gave me a lot of uh naboo vibes um phantom menace right very culturally you know active yeah they've got some um you know farming systems and um being a very peaceful people like right now in the middle of peacetime they don't have weapons they don't have security systems because they think everything's going to be okay um it definitely reminds me a little bit of that uh Pat patrick what's your thought here about hetzel the the system it reminded me of like the old republic kodor um dantooine like very like wide open lots of plains lots of uh farms grass grasslands and especially the music that they play in the audiobook just like in the background behind the narration it has that oh 
you're becoming a Jedi on Dantooine vibes. Like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yep. Spice Den's like, oh yeah, love the Dantooine connection. Very agrarian, for sure. I need to play KOTOR more. I I think I've said that a couple of times here on this podcast, but I I definitely need to. I know. I know. I know. And I know uh, KOTOR references, actually. Uh, Shout out to uh, Jared and Legends Look Back. They're going through the comics, if I'm not mistaken, right now. So definitely want to make sure to check those guys out on Thursdays, for sure. Let's get into the characters. Uh, For the ones that are alive, (laughs) we've got Avar Chris, all of the Jedi. We've got um, some people working on the Republic. I, I guess at a on a macro level, right? I want to talk about the relationship between the Jedi and the Republic because this is something that we've talked about for a long time on this show, um, especially when we've read through, um, you know, Revenge of the Sith, and you know we've gotten into Bloodline, and it seems like, at least to me, there's this reversal of roles, um, you know, from the Republic and the New Republic in terms of like galactic unity. Um, Adam, do you kind of feel that there? You know, we have this sense of we are like we're all the Republic. Did that strike you as as different, odd? Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I could definitely see some similarities and some differences from you know, Ava Chris talking with the Republic Admiral, and there was a little bit of annoyance in the Admiral. Like, but then he just he moved past that annoyance, and they worked together really well. Um, a scene like I can't because I've read to chapter 13 I'm trying to keep within like the right. first eight chapters but there was a scene that I really particularly loved where once they find out that there is one of these objects holds Republic citizens and they can no longer destroy it they have to rescue the people first yeah. and Ava Chris comes to the crew and she's like there's this problem fix it and then kind of walks off like she she's this Jedi master who is giving them the news but not just taking over and micromanaging these republic personnel i loved it i just that was she was here's what's happening you're the experts fix it <laughs> yeah well, um and before so we went on I, va- thought that, I thought that was really cool yeah before we went on vacation we talked about um the the uh, age of republic comics right and one of the one shots was on qui-gon and how he felt like um, too often the Republic was being used or, uh, the, the Jedi were being used as a weapon of the Republic. Um, and I feel like here it's very different, um, in that, I mean, you might be able to see some of the early, the early crumbs that could lead to that. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting that they were able to just recognize, Hey, it's time for me to hand my stuff off to you. Cause this is, this is your strength. This is where you're going to excel. Um, and I, I wish that could have worked with the Republic. Obviously it didn't. And I'm sure we're going to learn why, but, um, Patrick, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, it's a very, um, like you really can tell the light side of the force flows to Jedi when they're working with the Republic. They're no longer, they're not clouded in bureaucracy. They're not clouded with darkness. It's, we have our ways. The Republic trusts us to do it our way. But at the same time, it also works vice versa very well. Yeah. And the Jedi know how to back up and let the people who are trained properly, like the Republic um, Republic military officials, help out. And I think it doesn't get muddied in becoming a weapon of the Republic yet, because also this is a very, like a pure humanitarian mission. Like there's no there's a non-combative role, so I don't think we'll see it just yet. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. 
it's a great point um outside of you know let's take a little i guess a little bit micro level talk about some specifics um loading great storm um totally worthy uh eric chose his last name very wisely here in the discord um loading's a beast i'm all for it <laughs> but i want I, there's this this paragraph that i feel like really highlights charles soul's writing and i just want to read it real quick because it's just so good um he says the nova tore its way through the highest levels of hetzel prime's atmosphere no not tour loden great storm was too fine a pilot for that some jedi use their vectors that way but not him he wove the craft sliding through the air currents riding them down letting the ship become just another part of the interplay of gravity and wind above the planet's surface the ship wanted to fall and great storm let it it was exhilarating deadly unsurvivable and the vector was designed to transmit every last vibration and shimmy to the jedi inside so they could let the force guide them to the best response bell clenched his hands in the fists his face stretched into a grin like dude i could feel like i was there i was in the vector i was digging it so hard um loading great storms a beast i'm i'm all for it patrick granted that that sounds like a spirit airlines flight to be honest with you <laughs> oh my <laughs> for 49 dollars, you can feel every vibration from miami <laughs> to dallas duct tape uh... on the wings and all Oh, poor Spirit Air. They don't deserve it. Maybe they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I saw Spirit Airlines playing with a flat tire on the landing gear one time. I was like, no, sir. <laughs> Let's pass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm asking my money back immediately. <laughs> uh, Adam, you know, we talk about, or, you know, I guess we read, you know, Tayami. She, we really get to know her, I guess, sitting in her cockpit. And we learn that the Jedi, in order to use their weapons, they have to place their lightsabers, you know, into the ship um, in order to use them. How did that hit you um, on a, uh, I can't think of the, the word I'm looking for, philosophical, political level, I don't know. How, how did that hit you? Uh, when I read, when I, sorry, when I, when I was listening to Mark Thompson, you know, read that to me, the first thing I was thinking of is to draw one sword is not done lightly you draw your sword because you are at that point ready to take someone's life and and the same for the jedi they they will ignite that lightsaber if there is a reason to do so it takes it's a big decision so to incorporate that into their ship's weapon systems was wonderful it's the same decision that you're making to to swing that lightsaber in into a sentient being is that is there's no difference to shooting a ship that has a sentient being in it. So the same decision has to be made. You're going to take life. So I thought that that's really well done. Yeah. Patrick. And I also like the idea where it says they could turn these lightsaber to turn their weapon systems back. Like they wouldn't just have a fire to blow the ship into smithereens setting at all times. Like they could turn it back to stun disable. So they could, um, apprehend oh, excuse me sorry mimosas from earlier but that, <laughs> so they could like <laughs> so they could you know just apprehend and um end things in a peaceable solution as you know their true jedi intention yeah for sure uh spiced in <laughs> places lightsaber on the console this is where the fun begins <laughs> adam i bet you love that for your boy anakin <laughs> 
he would I think he would be frustrated. He would be frustrated not being able to just to just blow and go, right? Probably puts his lightsaber in when he flies over child care centers. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. He'd be pissed off because he dropped it too many times. That's fair. Like what if he's trying to put it like in the little ignition for the weapons, but he just fumbles it and it drops like to the floorboards and now it's like by the pedals and everything and he's just messing around. No. Then he crashed like Obi- him. And Obi Wan would get like real annoyed with him because he probably just leaves it there all day. He just forgets <laughs> it. <laughs> See, it's, it's like, like leaving the keys leaving in the, the car. Yeah, leaving the keys in the it's car. It's like leaving the keys in the car. <laughs> I locked my lights. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does like Republic have a papa lock? Yeah. Who who who, yeah. who do you call if you leave your lightsaber in and you can't get back in? Like... Yoda's yeah. Yoda's the only one strong enough to open the cockpit on the ship. On the... Many of many of the cars where you, if you leave your key in and shut the door, it just starts blaring at you like an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's they nice. all have custom alarms, so they all know it. <laughs> Anakin, <laughs> and it's not. It's Kenobi's voice. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, it's just the whole time, Anakin. This lightsaber is your life, Anakin. This lightsaber is your life, over and over goodness are there any other characters that y'all want to talk about before we um kind of move on to the last little section here that y'all specifically want to give a shout out to um that you are looking forward to seeing grow or hoping they survive going forward um adam let's start with you you got anybody yeah my favorite would easily be loden I loved his concept art when it came out, and then I've loved his characters in the first eight chapters, particularly his humor with his Padawan bell. That yes. He uses humor to teach him. They're just simple lines. He, he says something funny, he pops the cockpit, and he's gone. And he's, you know, the Padawan's just like, what? <laughs> it's just... For me, if I, was to, if I was a student, that is the kind of teacher that I would personally be attracted to, someone that can use a little bit of banter who can create an easy working environment so for me he is easily my favorite character so far yeah it's <laughs> awesome patrick how about you you like avar kiss um chris i'm sorry <laughs> forgive me master forgive me master jedi no i think she's a very stoic stoic strong woman great leader and i want to see how like you know how she takes on the challenges of something that's no one's really seen before of you know hyperspace being disrupted and at the same time i do love logan great storm for a lot of the same reasons adam said that he sounds like somebody like i want to be apprenticed under like i want him to teach me the force mm. i really do yeah i i personally want to give a shout out to buriaga agaberry um, I said at the top of the show, he must be saved at all costs. I believe that. Um, I think it was really cool that it took a Padawan and one that no one can even understand um, to be able to sense the danger and to be so in tune with the force that that we could tell that there were people inside this thing that was coming to destroy a planet. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, kind of how, how his story develops. Um 
And I know that I just lost it. Is it the Great Jedi Rescue um, that is this story from his particular perspective? I think that's right. Um, feel free to correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. But um, I, I love that. I think there's something really special about that. Um, it reminds me of, um, you know, when Kenobi couldn't find where Kamino went and, and he had to go find Yoda and the younglings and they were able to tell him what happened to it. Just that, that innocence, that sensibility, um, they're just... I don't know. They, they don't have to worry about all this other stuff, I guess. Um, and I appreciate having that childlikeness um, to be able to to find that. So Real quick, though. Yeah. Real quick. Is it me, or did Great Storm give off major dad energy? <laughs> Suburban dad energy? Yes. Like, he had dad... <laughs> In that whole vector, he had dad jokes galore. I bet you. Yeah, he was. He was like, "Well, I don't know. Figure it out. Where are we going?" And it's like, "I don't. Uh, this doesn't need to be a teachable moment. Stop it, Dad." <laughs> uh, did, you, did you guys have any that any non Jedi favorite characters? Um, I only I will say this because, and I might be cheating a bit, but I'm gonna give a shout out um to the engineers um that are on the on the long beam because they actually are getting their story told um kind of looking into the connections they're getting their story told in Star Wars Insider and um yep. I'm really looking forward to seeing um to seeing their their background and to yeah to not have that Jedi level um, I think it was one of, I think it was, uh, I just lost his name, but he was, yeah, Amy's trying to figure it out too. The techie engineer guy. Uh, I, I love that, uh, there was the ability, uh, he called them space wizards. I think he's like, well, I guess we'll figure it out. So that's, that's where my shout out goes. <laughs> Adam, how about you? Uh, for me, it would have been, it was, um, the captain of the transfer ship because I was going to say a two particular characters a couple working on a particular long beam but I'm pretty sure that that is going to be talked about next week so for me um, the, the the romantic pairing of the two bridge officers mm. um, who that who he figures out a plan to rescue the ship for me I love love I love those two already yep um, because he uh, he just reminded me of what I would be in that situation of you can move things with your like mind, right? You think it, and it just happens. <laughs> just, yeah, just such such innocence. And I was and I was trying to remember if that was in the first eight chapters, which I don't think it was. Gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha. But for me, I love those two. Yep. Uh, Jared fixed it for me. Josh and uh, Joss and Pika um, Adrian are the couple that I was thinking of. Love those two. Um, and I believe, mm. yeah, I believe it was um, Kevin Tarr, um, thanks to Cad Ben, who is thinking up, Amy, I think if that's what you're talking about, uh, the guy that's in Aguar City that's helping to like map out where all these, the satellites are coming in, right? Um, mm. Yeah, I, I love that section with, I don't know, the crew on the ground trying to figure out what to do. Um, it was really interesting to get their kind of political machinations and to see, oh, this is how this is going and this isn't working the way that we wanted it to. And it's because of budget cuts and it's because of all this. I was really <laughs> surprised, really surprised to get yeah. all of that and to see some of those politically motivated decisions of like, well, we're not in wartime. And it's like, well, no one would expect this. Um, there was a lot there. Patrick, how about you? I really like the um, Supreme Chancellor. It's nice to see one that you know isn't secretly a Sith Lord, but also think she was somebody that actually cares about what she's doing and you know creating better lives for the greater people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
um, yeah, it really sounds like um, really sounds like she's trying to to unite the whole galaxy in a way that's not terrorizing and threatening, right? Yeah. She's not going to turn the whole thing into the first galactic empire. Kudos to her. <laughs> yeah, major major props there. Um, some maybe some shout outs to legends here. Um, just thinking of other you know connections and some Easter eggs and some closing thoughts on the book as we get ready to kind of wind down. Um, Avar Chris's ability sure sounds like battle uh, battle meditation to me. Um, you know, we get this, uh, Tayami kind of describes it like she could feel Avar in the back of her mind. Um, she had this rare ability that she could, uh, you know, strengthen them is Patrick. Is this, is this battle meditation? Yep. She's a uh, cop learning from the great Bastila Sean. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm all for it. I want more of it. I think I've only encountered battle meditation once so far in my legends read. I think it was, uh, one of the Darth Bane books and I, uh, I could use some more of it. It's, it's very interesting. The Lord Khan battle meditation. I see. <laughs> uh, Jared says it is the greatest force power ever. And he's yelling about it. So that was, that I mean, was cool. He's not wrong. <laughs> Um, one of the other things I want to talk about, and I know Maggie brought it up too. Um, you know, we get the force being compared to a lot of different things, um, a candle, a, a song, a, a banked fire. Adam, did you have a particular favorite thing that the force was compared to? And have you ever thought about how the force could be compared to something? How, how would you envision the force? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. I thought Charles did really some wonderful things with his comparisons and his, and his metaphors with the force and especially around Avar Chris. Um, she just seems to be the perfect conduit for that type of writing, uh, her beliefs and the way that she, you know, presents herself. And yeah, I don't think I, I could really explain it any better than him or explain it in ways that we haven't heard it before that it surrounds us and penetrates us it's just it is it is there and it is what it is <laughs> yeah patrick how about you you got any thoughts there um no i am enjoying these uh different like aspects and descriptions of it honestly i always envisioned the forces like you know like a pool that's either like cool for like calming and like boiling water for like a boiling pool for anger on mm. the dark side that's that's the way i thought about it okay that's fair i uh i i think i've personally kind of felt i don't know differently um but in my head now for some reason i feel like the force is kind of like a a breeze like a nice breeze uh whenever you're you're feeling the light and there is no breeze and you're on tatooine when you are leaning into the dark side that's the way i've kind of felt (laughs) that's the way i envision it but that's probably just because of the thing that i absolutely hate is absolute dry heat (laughs) so you're gonna say you hate sand because it's coarse it's rough and it gets everywhere well that too but you know i feel like the the temperature it's like being on a roof right like if you're standing in sand like it's probably 60 degrees hotter Uh, if you're you know working up on a roof it's going to be 80 degrees hotter i just i can't do that so yeah the force to me is like a wind like a leaf on the wind for all my firefly fans out there uh rest in peace wash anything else y'all want to talk about connections wise i I wrote a couple other things down here Uh, i mentioned the space wizards reference um Anything y'all want to shout out here, Patrick? Yeah, no. I thought that that in the early parts of this novel, that there's a big theme 
uh, acceptance and failure, like just throughout the throughout these first chapters at least. Okay. Like, um, um, dang it, I just lost her name. Gotta go look at my notes because I'm old and I forget things. <laughs> but no, when Captain Cassette, when she when they're describing of her trying to steer the ship out of danger. And they build it up like she's going to, oh, she's going to save the day. The ship's not going to, nope, atomizes her. And Hmm. the idea of that when they're helping these people, they come to a realization that we're going to have to do just what we can. That we, um, we will have to do, we can only do what we can do, and we're just going to have to accept the fact that that's what we're able to do. And I don't know about y'all, but that just hit home to me a lot. And I thought that was a very, um, I don't know, just a grounded way to put things. Yeah. I think along those lines, I I really appreciated um, Avar Chris's quote um, when talking about how, you know, there's no way they're going to be able to save all these people. Um, Now that they know that there are people on board, you know, the satellites that are coming at them. Um, she says, you know, if the will of the force is otherwise, so be it. Um, but I will not accept the idea of abandoning them without trying. Um, and that's something that's, it, it reminds me honestly a little bit. I'm, I'm also re-listening to uh, chaos rising. And I think Thaleus says something kind of similar to Thrawn at one point, um, you know, right after he gives his, uh, Utini quote of the year, um, kind of speech about how all you can can work with um, and the best way to go is to accept the the things that can't change um, and do the best with the things that you can and try to make the best out of those um, and I love that there's a connection here with Avar Chris trying to do the same thing like um, like you know I'll be damned if I can't find a way to make this work I'm going to die trying um, and Thaleus feels the same way like you may, things might not be able to change but I'm going to push at it and push at it until yeah, I can get something out of it a secret or, or something and I, I just I love that um, I think both of these books too connection wise are um, really expanding this galaxy that we know in ways that we've never seen before and you know some people may be, may be taken aback because there are so many characters and so many you know planets and things but I, um, I think it's set up for a long, long span of uh, good storytelling now that we've got this foundation out. Um, so, yeah. Adam, you got anything you want to add here? Yeah, just going to piggyback on what you said there, that it, it can perhaps feel a little daunting. Is that when you leave the, the Star Wars literacy world, like you read a lot of fantasy stories, a lot of just a series in general, is that those those types of stories are just they're so huge in scope and that you will get 50 plus characters in a book and then the next book there'll be like 50 new characters um so for me when i was reading it it just really felt like i was reading something a little different to to star wars like it was just felt bigger in scope than some of the other books that i have read um in the canon in the canon timeline or even the legends timeline i just felt like a like this is it this is something huge um and it's going to be the foundation of something that's going to go somewhere yeah yeah i'm i'm really excited about where star wars is heading and i'm so glad that we have you know three phases now (laughs) to to look forward to um also i do want to shout out colin um i believe i saw that he was um kind of 
stockpiling, uh, creating a, a list of character references um, just to try to keep up with everything. Um, I think that's a really cool idea if you do find that it is a little bit overwhelming. Um, you know, definitely talking it out in whether it's the Conjure Book Club chat here or it's the Light of the Jedi chat. Um, you know, find a way to, to help make it all make some sense. Um, talking it out is really helpful for that. So cool. Well, let's do favorite moments. Adam, you want to start us off? Favorite moment from this first eight chapters? Anything to do with learning Great Storm, who in this house we stand always. From the moment he started talking, the moment he made everyone laugh, jumped out of a ship, or no reasons, just everything loading Great Storm for me. I just couldn't get enough of his character. Is is there a chance that you could end up standing him more than you stand Anakin? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But like, but um, but again, like just what I said that this this is the start of something big. It feels. Like this is what Star Wars could potentially become, and he 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 may go even further and further up the up the character tree for me. It's just it just feels big time now. Yeah, the EU. Yep, it really really feels like it like it matters. Uh, Patrick, how about you? Favorite moment, favorite character? What you got? Um, I my favorite moment. Oof, there's a few in here, but I'd have to say when. He is piloting the ship into the atmosphere, Greystorm, and they talk about how his apprentice is just clutching his hands in the back. It's like a scared child his dad's <laughs> driving reckless on the highway. And I just laughed the whole time listening to it. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Um, I am personally going to go with um, Alexander and Trevor's, you know, they're, they're talking about it here in the chat at the moment, that the moment when they finally when they realize that there are people in these objects coming to the planet um, when they find out that there are people alive getting ready to die um, terrified for their lives I when I first read it I had to close the book because I was like there is no freaking way we're about to do this there is this is bold um, and there are a couple of other of other sections that we're going to get to in the next couple of weeks. Um, last night, there was a period of time where I was I was laying on the couch and I had to change my position on the couch, not because I was falling asleep, but because I was like, I, I can't believe this. Like I had to like kind of jump up on the couch and try to be like, oh, my God, this is happening. Um, <laughs> so, so freaking exciting. Um, and yeah, this again, Charles Soule. It's absolutely a phenomenal human being who needs to write more Star Wars forever and ever. Anything else y'all want to say before we close it out for the day? Yeah, definitely. I think that like we're all here for one reason. That's because we love the expanded universe. That's what this community is built around. And usually our expanded universe is exactly that. It's expanded from mainstream media, from films uh, that's even throw in the TV shows and the animation. But like for the first time, in a way, we are vindicated because those mainstream films and mainstream TV shows and potentially video games and whatever else comes from this, it will come from books. It yeah. will come from something that we all love. So I think that like for us, that's, that's huge. Like we are first now. We are not second. We are not the afterthought. Like we are the mainstream in a way. Yeah. Yeah. We are leading the way for sure. Patrick, you, I'm sorry. Cut out. Can you say oh, it again? Yeah. You know, do you have anything else that you want to add before we, we close it out? That I am just excited for the rest of the phases and the rest of the novels and also the animation. 
Well, is, I'm not sure. Is the Acolytes going to be animated or live action? Did they say? I don't. I don't know. To be honest with you, um, not sure. Either way, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Exactly. I'm just looking for them to unravel this whole project, which they kept under wraps for so long. I'm here for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I will also want to make sure to plug um, our um, High Republic collection. Um, I think if I'll, I'll if I if no one else posts it before I get there, I'm gonna throw it up here in the chat here. Jared and Meg worked really hard on it, um, and it's. Um, it's full of everything that you need. Um, also check out our um, publication news page where we've got lists of everything coming out. We talked about the phases. Um, they kind of go into those a little bit more in depth and we've got some links where you can watch some of the new trailers and, um, and, and watch the, uh, the interviews and everything there. Thank you, Jared, for throwing that up there read his work it's phenomenal stuff thank you to everybody for listening um, for participating in the conjure book club we are so glad to be back after three weeks off we'll be back next week to talk through light of the jedi chapters 9 through 20 in the meantime you can find me timothy on twitter and discord at underscore t guthrie adam is at darkstar au and patrick is on discord at mac 11 if you want to help support the show head on over to utini.com look up light of the jedi click the amazon link on the profile it'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content you'll find links to light of the jedi and february's book heir to the empire in the show notes of the podcast on patreon and the start here channel in discord if you'd like to help us out more directly you can find us on patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. Special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. May the Force be with you, everyone. Oh, and remember, we are all the Republic. <laughs>